0: Today on the podcast I get to interview Jordan Gross. Jordan is a Northwestern and Kellogg School of Management graduate, a startup founder, a two-time TEDx speaker, and a number one best-selling author. His new book, The Journey to Cloud 9 provides a new approach to the personal development world by using fictional storytelling to reveal some of life's most meaningful principles. Jordan has been blazing new trails for people around the world, and he cannot wait to share this with all of you. Now, during this episode, we mostly talk about his book, Getting Comfy, which is what his one TED Talk is about. And he's going to be releasing another book here in the next year is which is what he has shared with me but we've had some technical difficulty and while jordan remains a very resilient person from a very resilient family um he's stayed there with me and and as we had that internet and wi-fi challenges uh, he was able to jump back on the call with me a couple days later once those issues were resolved and finish the interview and i really do appreciate that jordan um i just want to thank you here publicly and again i think you guys will love this interview jordan is a fantastic young man who has a bright and extraordinary future ahead of us and uh he will be out there doing some truly amazing things so let's jump into it Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life full of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Hey everybody, my name is Kirby Angles, and I'm here with Jordan Gross. Jordan is a two-time author and TEDx speaker and I just want to welcome Jordan to the show. Jordan, why don't you please tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what you're doing right now.
1: Hey Kirby, how's it going? Um, Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really grateful to be spending a little bit of time with you and get to share some insights with your audience. So, What I do, I don't like to just say what exactly I do. Um, I help people use their imagination and their creativity um, in order to live the life of their dreams, right? And I do that through writing, speaking, coaching, editing, podcasting, um, all of these different means, right? So I, I wouldn't say that there's one specific thing I do. I've written books. I write articles. Um, If I had to put a label on it, I'd say author, I guess. But uh, the ultimate goal is, I call it imaginativitation, right? Imagination, interpretation, creativity, and implementation. And I use those four key pillars to help other people um, go about making a change and and living a life that they truly want to live.
0: That's amazing, and that's that's extremely important here, and that's something that I've really wanted to focus in on. Uh, as I yeah. became a coach, I know that you also have a coaching certification uh, through, I believe it was Marshall Goldsmith, and really just helping people find that that passion, that purpose, and that fulfillment in their life, uh, where they can find meaning in literally what they do. So, how about you start right yeah. there and kind of tell us a little bit about that that process, you know and that certification and why you decided to do that and where that's taken you from here.
1: Absolutely. So to backtrack just a little bit, Kirby, I left my corporate job in November, 2017 and January, 2018. I self published two months later, I self published my first book and it was called getting comfy, your morning guide to daily happiness it was a you know, pretty prescriptive self-help manual about my morning routine and why it was good for overcoming stress and anxiety when the alarm clock goes off. And basically, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no plan. I didn't know that uh, you could write a book and then become a coach or could write a book and become a speaker or anything like that. So there was a lot of uncertainty with what I was doing going forward. But I immersed myself in the world of personal development and I found out what I could do. And I really resonated with the Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder centered coaching because the story is that, um, you know, the Myers-Briggs personality test? Yes, I do. Yeah. So when I was uh, doing my master's program in management studies, I remember doing the Myers-Briggs with my classmates and we had an instructor who was a professor in leadership. And as we were discussing the results, I kind of raised my hand and said, Well, I really appreciate this this opportunity and and it's a great, you know, way to label who people are, but can't we be answering these questions, you know, with a little bit of bias because it's who we wanna be as opposed to who we actually are? And at the time the professor kind of shrugged off the question, but afterward he came up to me and he said, If that's the way you think. I think that you would love doing like a 360 feedback assessment and I'm part of this network of coaches called Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Centered Coaches and that's the approach we have. We used other people to assess leaders' performances as opposed to just doing a coaching with the leader, him or herself, right? So I really liked that. I think that, you know, it's like a fun way to get permission to talk about somebody behind their backs, right? You learn about how to give feedback. You learn about how to receive feedback. So that's why I did the Marshall Goldsmith. And, you know, I, I use that in the coaching I do now. I don't do executive leadership coaching because that's the actual certification, but um, I just use this 360 degree feedback to gain insights for other people on how they're perceived, because that that's super important to me. Yeah. Um, feedback because is it, helped, it helped me a yeah. lot. Yeah. It helped me a lot. Just, and I did it pretty informally. I went up to friends and family members and I said, what am I good at? What am I bad at? You know, don't mm-hmm. hold back. Give me give me feedback. Um, and I, that's what I like for others who are kind of in a place where they're stuck or don't know what to do next as well. So that was what I did for coaching-wise. And uh, I just kind of continued to, to work on different parts of the platform, bring everything together, all with this ultimate mission of, you know, kind of helping other people do what I was doing, right, experimenting with different areas, different career paths, different uh, types of opportunities in order to understand what truly lit me up, right? So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a long process if you are to ever work with me, right? It's not, the, the, the thing that I can say confidently is that unless you're super lucky and you already knew it deep down already, I don't think you discover a purpose in like a six week program, right? I think it comes from a lot of trial and error. It comes from a lot of introspection and, uh, you know, sometimes years of work on what not to do. So then you ultimately realize what to do.
0: Yeah. There's something in there. You said that really resonated with me and also reminded me of something that you actually said in your book, which was, um, I'm, I'm going to actually quote it. Uh, cause I have it right here. And that was together. Yeah. So it says together we are going to get comfy waking up in the morning, get comfy in Mm -hmm. uncomfy situations and get comfy in our own skin and to get comfy with the way we live the rest of our lives. So you want to kind of speak on that a little bit and talk about your first book, which was getting comfy.
1: Yes. So that was the first book, right? Comfy. Was a concept I created because those were the five pillars of my morning routine. C O M F Y stood for something I had to do to calm myself when I woke up. So, meditation, yoga, stretching, deep breathing, whatever it was. Uh, something I had to do in regard to openness, journaling, sending a friend a message, right? Um, whatever I could do to open up my mind. M stands for movement. So, gym, jog, walk, whatever. F stands for funny, something that gets me to smile, gets me to laugh right when I wake up so I know, you know, not, not to take myself too seriously with the rest of the day. And then Y stands for your choice, right? Your passion, whatever hobby or side project you're working on at the time. Um, so that's what comfy is specifically. But then I think there's two other really important things for this word. And, and one is getting comfy in your own skin. Right? How are you going to be comfortable with who you are, accept who you are, own who you are? Um, And then, two, how can you, once you are comfy in your own skin, embrace discomfort? How can you embrace how to push forward and be uncomfortable and experience new things and make changes? Right? Um, And that's again, that's through using those five core elements, right? When you go into something stress and anxiety inducing, whether that is a new sales call or an entrepreneurial venture or a public presentation, right? Do something that calms you down, open up, move, you know, something funny, laugh, and then, you know, something that's your own. Um, That's how you get a little bit more comfy, more confident in situations that are often daunting.
0: Oh, that's fantastic explanation. It's it's like, you know, you were the author of that book because I just read it yesterday and you you really nailed it. So um, Uh, talk about, in the book, you also talked about how there's a uh, psychological, social, and a physical state, which is really similar to getting comfy or getting, you know, comfy with being uncomfy. And that was Heige. Can you, I, I mean, I have a background in, uh, or a masters in counseling and i never ran across high gee so maybe you could educate us a little bit more about what high gee is and how it's similar to the process that you're that you're talking about
1: yeah so i don't know too much about it i honestly <laughs> didn't look into it that much and my approach to personal development is i i try to understand like the psychological and science-backed approaches but I'm more of a storyteller, right? Moving forward, that's where I focus, but that concept um I don't even know how to pronounce it. I, I thought I always thought it was hygge. Um it's about bringing comfort into your life. So the way that I think about it is you have a very like hygge type environment if mm-hmm. there are candles and, and comfortable uh chairs and very comfortable um you know, like, like material around the room, right? You can create an environment of comfort in your life. So that, that was always my understanding of this concept. And it equates to happiness and being content and being very, um, being very just, you know, enjoying the present moment, right? I think that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. You, you truly have an appreciation and a sense of gratitude for the current state that you're in Mm -hmm. i believe it's a either a dutch or a danish concept Mm -hmm. um i forgot which one
0: yeah no that's awesome i appreciate that um yeah there's a lot of different things out there and they're very useful so i mean i think that we probably utilize that stuff more than what we realize we just don't know know what the scientific or psychological name for it or you know as we go through life um but you did mention something to that degree in the very beginning of your book because you kind of threw a few statistics out there uh that were mm-hmm. especially important to me uh and you kind of set us up for the book and kind of how uh, it really was your story that you told on the TEDx stage but those two statistics mm-hmm. were uh, 41 million Americans experienced some type of mental illness in any given year uh according mm-hmm. to uh health services, administration, uh, uh, substance abuse folks. And then uh, the other yeah. one was, is that millennials uh, in particular mm-hmm. are overstressed. And you said that uh, one in five are experiencing some kind of depression, anxiety, or mental illness. Um, yeah. Can you kind of tell us why you, you know, set that up in the very front of the book? And then you were like, this is not a book about statistics. This is something right. else. So can you kind of go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So this is a big reason why I decided to start Mm -hmm. doing what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. Because I am a millennial and I am fortunate enough. I I, I haven't suffered from any mental health um, type of, type of experiences, but I've been around people with it and I see the pain that they have to go through. And I, and I see how little fixes to daily behavior, how, how little, Improvements can help so much in overcoming or, or managing or understanding some of these issues that they're facing, right? So, I, I wanted to make sure that I was highlighting my peer group um, because this, these are the people who I wanted to help the most, right? Um, the reason why I, I phrased it in the way that I did that here are some stats and figures, but this is not a book about stats and figures is because that's the way I like to speak to my audience. I like to say, Hey, I'm aware that you could be receiving information in this way, but I'm going to provide it to you in a different way. So it's just a way for me to be very upfront and candid and authentic with the audience and, uh, you know, allow them to know that I am coming at them from an approach that they may not have seen before.
0: No, that's awesome. Um, and it sounds like, you know, uh, I have a, I've read how uh, Elrod's uh, book, The yeah. Miracle and several other variations mm-hmm. of that. And you right. also mentioned that book in, in or, or him in, in his book in, mm-hmm. in yours. I also noticed that uh, him and Marshall Goldsmith and Dan Pink had also reviewed your book as mm-hmm. well. Um, but it seemed like Hal uh, had an ex- uh, essentially an important impact on you and uh, w- what you're doing now. And almost like it was one of those authors, like I would say, like Stephen Covey, for me, kind of paved the way uh, for mm-hmm. you to kind of go in this direction. Um, can you kind of tell us like what kind of impact yeah. he has had as a mentor, as an author, um, even a guy that yeah. has almost been on his deathbed, I think now twice? Um and it has come through. So Yeah.
1: Yep. Such an amazing person, such an amazing story, such amazing books, podcasts, everything. Um I'll tell you a cool story about Hal, but but the, the origin story is that I heard him on Jordan Harbinger's old podcast, The Art of Charm. Mm-hmm. He did an interview with Hal Elrod. And I was so amazed by the adversity this man had overcome at such a young age right so i'm 25 and he was maybe in his mid-30s at the time so i I related to him more than a lot of the guests that i had heard because a lot of people were older when they're talking about personal development because they bring life experience into it right Mm -hmm. so hal had so much life experience at such a young age i think he was 19 when he got in that car crash um so that was that was one reason and then you know he was—he uh, explains that when he created The Miracle Morning, it wasn't even related to physical pain. It was this mental, emotional pain. He had financial struggles, and that led him to, to be stressed and anxious. And just by running, I think, was the initial recommendation that he was going to you know, get his mind back on track. And then the running turned into the entire morning routine with the savers. And I said, I want to try this. I want to mm. become a morning person. I want to be up before everybody else. I want to be different than everybody else. I want to focus on me in the morning because I'm focusing on all these other people throughout the day. Um, so I tried the savers and, and the way that I work and how I want you to work as a listener is to try things, right? To, to try and see what works. So I tried the savers and I said, okay, you know, three of these six are for me. And how can I create my own thing? Well, I like to, you know, do some meditation. And I also like to do some journaling, but, you know, I don't necessarily like the reading piece in the morning, whatever it was, right? And I created the comfy from that. So the biggest inspiration for me uh, possible is probably Hal Elrod. And the the funny story is that Mm -hmm. when I was first starting out, I said to myself, I'm gonna get this guy's phone number, right? Like my goal is gonna be to be able to have a text conversation with Hal Elrod. And I joined, I read his books, and I listened to his podcast, and I joined his email list, and I joined his Facebook group, and I would send you know little things here and there, but never enough to really get a response. Um, Until one day, he sent this message to his email list saying that he had a couple of spots left at a live event. And he sent out this big survey and they were taking six out of like the hundreds of thousands of people on his email list. So I said, okay, I think this might be my chance. So I spent all day coming up with amazing responses to these survey questions. And I submitted my application form to go to this live event. And then I got an email from his assistant. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize and I didn't answer it. And then I got a text message saying that it was Hallorod. He had just called me. And I was like, no way, this is true, or this is actually him. I called back right away, and it ended up being him, and we chatted. I went to the live event, and uh, you know, I, I chat with him every so often. He's been a, a mentor, uh, a guide ever since. So he, he obviously provided the endorsement for the Journey to Cloud 9. Um, and that's just a really special thing for somebody like him to do. You know, he's got so much going on. To give a little bit of time to an up-and-comer is really, really uh, appreciated.
0: Yeah, I, I would say that would be uh, uh, pretty interesting to get a call from a guy uh, like Howell. uh Early on in my uh, personal development stages – um, and I know what those people can, can, can really do or have an impact on you. Uh, cause like I said earlier, you know, a lot of them kind of yeah. help pave the way to our development and it's almost like they lay the foundation for us. And then everything after that is just right. like building blocks. So, uh, yeah, but there's, there's one thing that I would like to kind of roll back to a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I thought that was kind of interesting that you brought your brother up in the, uh, the book uh and your brother is went to a very prestigious school and you said that he was just a little bit smarter than you but he was about four years older than you um yeah as a brother you know who's you kind of look up to and you kind of um you kind of feel like he's just a little bit smarter. he's going to a prestigious school so you're you're getting ready to be a freshman in high school and he's going off to duke like what what was that like, you know, Uh was that, did he like kind of pull you through your childhood, you know, and maybe, maybe he kind of helped directed you, you know, Uh, just speak about your relationship with your brother a little bit and kind of, you know, that kind of relationship. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love talking about this. So it's cool because here we are May 13th, 2020, you and I talking right Mm -hmm. now and my brother and I are actually home I'm in his, this is his room. I'm literally in his room right now. He's uh he's sleeping in a different room. He gave me his room cuz my dad's using my room as his uh home office. So, it's cool to be chatting about this because we've spent more time together as a family as he and I than probably we would have spent for the rest of our lives, you know, all doing our own thing, but we've been home together for the last month now and I'll never forget this time for, for the, the relationship that it's been able to, to help you know, bring back. And not that it was ever not like this, but it even made us closer. Um, but in regard to childhood, like I said, yeah, he, he was always smarter than me growing up. Uh, we were similar in that we have, you know, positive, upbeat personalities, but I was more on the athletic side. He was more focused on his academics. Um, He was more science and math and I was more English and history. Um, So I always looked at him as a model of, okay, this is, you know, I need to not emulate everything that he's doing or, or even, you know, try to be as good as him, but just use him to understand that, you know, getting good grades provides for amazing opportunities Mm -hmm. moving forward and having a positive personality allows for great social experiences and and being in a great friend group. Right. So I definitely looked at him a lot as, as a role model, as a guide Um, moving forward, where he sort of did drag me along a little bit is uh, he always like gave his friends as resources to me. So when he did go to Duke, He always had me on the phone with them if I ever wanted to call and talk about their internships or their careers in finance and business, right? Because that was a very fulfilling route for these people. So I I did chat with them and my brother was going the medical route. So uh, he couldn't really speak to what I wanted to do. I, I thought I wanted to go into business because that's just what I thought was expected of a kid like me. Um, so yeah, he was always there to, to provide these people as resources. And then the last thing I'll say is that now my brother is four years older than me. So he just turned 30. Um, his story of resilience is one that I will never, ever forget. So Adam is his name. He applied to medical school after graduating from Duke and he didn't get it. He went into a startup position. He worked there. Hey folks, welcome back.
0: Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, We were just actually speaking about uh, Jordan's brother uh, who had just gone to Duke um, and had applied to medical school. And speaking of resilience, uh, we ended up having uh, some technical failures on our end with Zoom and some local Wi-Fi. And so uh, Jordan's a extremely resilient person so he's back here to kind of finish that story about his brother and resilience and he was actually sitting in his brother's bedroom at, <laughs> in new york at the time and uh, he was just going into that story so i'm gonna let jordan finish up and uh welcome back jordan
1: yeah thanks so much kirby i think you're the resilient one through Zoom and, and Wi-Fi issues. That's always a, a challenge, a real testament of somebody's character. So I appreciate you getting through it and getting us back on the air. Um, so my brother is an, an incredible individual. He's, he's four and a half years older than me. And, and like I said, he, he's so much smarter than me, so much wiser. He went the science route. So he applied to med school after college and he didn't get in. So he went to work for a startup and then he ended up, uh, you know, doing some some business type work. And then a couple years later, he decided he wanted to apply to med school again. Didn't get in. And then he said, okay, let me like familiarize myself with the medical world again. So he went into healthcare consulting, still on the business side, but getting more into the medical field did that for about two years and then said, okay, it's it's time for me to go to medical school. So he quit his job, a job that he was doing really well at. And he went to a master's program at Case Western in medical physiology. He did a two-year master's, well, he finished in one year, but he did a two-year master's program at Case Western, took the MCAT again, reapplied for medical school. So this is his third time now. Um, applied as soon as he could in June, I believe, waited, 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 finally gets uh, a couple of interviews, gets put on the wait list, waits, 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 gets put on more wait lists, waits, 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 gets some rejections, gets another wait list, waits, 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 and then finally, at the end of February, I call it my cloud nine moment, I I kid you not, it was the happiest I've ever been, Um, the happiest my brother's ever been, probably happiest my mom and dad have ever been he gets an email from Albany Medical College, upstate New York, saying that he was accepted off of the wait list. So when you think about it, not only was he accepted off of Albany's wait list, but he was accepted off of this eight-year wait list where no matter Mm -hmm. what happened, he went so many different routes. He did business. He got rejected. He did more, more business. He got rejected. And then finally, eight years after first applying to medical school, He was accepted. So, to me, in my life, that's the ultimate story of resilience that I've seen um, up close and personal. So, I try to use that mindset when I do things on my own and and when I talk to other people about how they have to be patient with the success that they want and deserve. You know, eight years is a really long time to get what you want for the rest of your life. And uh, it's worth it because now he's going to be a doctor and he's going to help save the world
0: yeah no it's amazing it sounds like you know I mean a lot of the things in there you've said have over the last week you know uh, patience uh, yeah. resilience uh, it sounds like you're you know I've had these conversations with lots of people you know um, especially you know your brother sounds like a, a man of fortitude and character
1: uh, yeah
0: and so uh, that's that's a phenomenal uh, person to have in your life that's constantly yeah. also pouring into you as well so I, I, I think yeah. you're a pretty lucky guy there yeah
1: Um, i definitely am thank you
0: so there's another man in your life that i want to talk about and that's Uh your dad i thought it was interesting because you pulled you 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 pointed out a a huge contrast is what Mm -hmm. i would call it because you said you know he's a debt collector Uh however he's one of the nicest guys you know and most people wouldn't think a debt collector would be Uh a nice guy so kind of talk about that a little bit
1: yes he's a collection a collections attorney Mm -hmm. and he is basically like a like a legal bookie you know people have debts and he has Mm -hmm. to go and bang on their door and and get money but he doesn't actually Mm -hmm. do that you know um so you wouldn't expect somebody like that to be very kind Mm -hmm. and and caring and compassionate you kind of expect this tough guy or, or gal persona um, to be very rigid and, and stern in mm-hmm. trying to get money from somebody who owes it to somebody else. Uh, but that's not how he approaches his business. He, he approaches his business in a way that is kind and caring and compassionate. He, he's as understanding of people's situations as they can be. Right. So I, I get, you know, the really fortunate opportunity he's been working from home with the coronavirus and I get to hear some of the phone calls he has and he, he does he collects student debt from for, for uh, the College of of New York, right? CUNY, college universities of New York, mm-hmm. and he's on the phone with with eighteen to twenty five year old kids all day, saying that they owe money. That and you know I can hear some of the conversations, and I can hear the kids say how they don't have that kind of money right mm-hmm. now. They can't pay. They can't afford it. And. Mm-hmm. And the contrast is that you'd expect someone like my dad to say, well, do it. Yeah. Do what you got to do, you know, sell this, sell that, try to make your money. But no, instead he just says, look, uh, this is, you know, this is about life first. I understand if you don't have the money, get it to me when you can make payments when you can um, focus on your family first, you know, that money's going to your family, give it to your family and then worry about paying. Right. So he just gives them the time that he needs. And I think what he, what he says is that it ultimately comes back to help him in the end. Right? Mm-hmm. These people, he, he's been doing this for 30, 30, some odd years, right? So these people come back to him years later in their life and they say, th- thank you for being so, so understanding of my situation. Thank you for allowing me that opportunity. So, so long ago, um, because now I understand that it's, it's people like you who, who are, uh, who do realize that there's a humanity side to this business and, and there's a humanity side to everything. Uh, and I really just appreciated that experience. You know, I've had so many other experiences where people didn't take that into account. Um, so the human first approach is, is truly what I've learned from him. You know, whatever's going on in business, professionally, uh, it's always about being a human first and foremost.
0: Yeah. So I want to ask you again about another person that's impacted your life and you yeah. actually talked about in the book. And this kind of yeah. comes to the point of, uh, or I would say it, it involves uh the acronym comfy uh, and mm-hmm. M stands for movement yeah and you're also wearing it looks like a soccer shirt because I think I saw it right sometimes. now yeah Chelsea kind of on the front yeah and, uh, or you know in Europe it's known as football yeah but, uh, talk to me about Sergeant Mark uh was it Tribune from the United States Marine Corps who showed up at one of your practices and
1: uh kind of took over so that was my my best friend's practice actually mm-hmm. so my best friend Jake he played soccer at Harvard <laughs> and he told me this story i remember we were freshmen and and i was getting the the kind of i was getting the update on what was going on and it was the first week where he was at preseason mm-hmm. training and this this sergeant came to his practice and they put the soccer balls away and they just did extreme you know character building extreme uh, fitness type drills. And, and the story I remember most is that there's a, there's a, uh, like a river at Harvard Mm -hmm. and you have to run around the river. I think it's something, I don't remember the exact mileage, maybe like two miles. And instead of just running around the river, they got into groups and they had to carry like four people had to carry one person around the river and stop like every quarter mile or something. And they had to switch and carry somebody else around the river right? So not only were they running two miles, which is a, you know, 15, 20 minute task if it's at a medium pace, Mm -hmm. but also they were doing this while carrying somebody, right? So they're trying (laughs) to do it as quickly as possible. They're carrying somebody. So it just showed the importance of camaraderie, the importance of collaboration, the importance of teamwork, uh, resilience, you know, these, these characteristics that we talked about before, um, uh, applied to, to this soccer team, right? So that was a really meaningful experience for him because when they're on the field playing, they think back to that story, that memory of carrying each other around the, the river. And when it's late in the game and they need to, you know, carry their their teammates because they're, they're tired or they're, you know, just feeling down, right? It, they think about that river and they think of how they literally carried one another. So now they can figuratively carry one another as they go about their the rest of their game right so yeah, that cool. that's, yeah.
0: that's awesome so so uh, great lessons from the united states marine corps right
1: yes of course
0: yeah i also you know the, i want to talk about another uh letter in the acronym comfy yeah. and that was funny and uh, i think this this has a great story it's yeah. it's, it's hilarious but also uh, um it has some importance to you, uh, and also has an underlying cause that you have actually been uh, a pretty big part of in the past, and that's when your grandfather uh, had been, um, uh, I think in the time of the book, had been diagnosed uh, with Alzheimer's a year before that, Yeah. and somebody else, I think it was your grandmother, was trying to get used to her hearing aids or something uh-huh. like that, and so there was this conversation that they were having, so uh-huh. can you kind of run us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so it's just really funny stuff. Um, Trying to make light of a pretty serious and intense situation, you know. Uh, My grandpa, he was battling Alzheimer's. My grandma had hearing aids in, and it was kind of like my grandpa was was basically hitting on her, but it was the wrong grandma. It wasn't his wife. It was my (laughs) mom's mom instead of my dad's mom. So the funnier part is that my grandma with the hearing aids, my mom's mom, she didn't even know what was going on because she could barely hear my grandpa talking. So he's there trying to hit on her, saying, you know, all this funny stuff, and she has no idea what's going on. And uh, it just created this really wonderful dynamic that you you can't make up, right? So me and my brother were just there cracking up um, as this all went down but uh yeah my my grandfather was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when I was about fifteen, mm-hmm. and he passed away when I was about twenty, so I think those years I really didn't become the person that I am now until I was maybe twenty twenty years old, eighteen nineteen, twenty years old, and he he was already his mind was gone by then, so he didn't get to see the person that I became. And I think I did become this person because of a lot of his qualities and attributes and stories that I remember of his Mm -hmm. personality growing up. So I wanted to do something for him and and for people who are affected by Alzheimer's because we all know somebody, whether it's a grandparent, Mm -hmm. a parent, a friend, a friend's parent, whoever it is, we all know somebody that's impacted and and I don't think there's enough support um, so I started an Alzheimer's awareness organization at, at my undergrad and I just focused on a couple different pillars of volunteering, mm-hmm. educating, supporting and fundraising all to promote awareness um, from the undergraduate perspective. Right. Because mm-hmm. even as a, as a young guy um, I knew, I had friends who were all affected by the disease, what, you know, no matter who it was, they knew somebody. So I just wanted to provide that outlet and that led to some cool, opportunities uh, for me in the future
0: yeah I think that's phenomenal I mean as young as you were you know be able to do something and I'm sure that was scary um, trying to start an organization like that you know and do something I mean you care about it so much but then there's this also this you know I'm starting something that you know I don't know where it's going to go what's going to happen with it and probably starts out small but then grows big Um, and so but I would you know with that saying said you know there's nothing too big that we can't accomplish and Right. I, you know, just because you're young doesn't mean you can't make a difference in this world. And you've, you've done, you've had already a tremendous impact on people's lives. So, um, thank you so I'm, much. Yeah. yeah. Very encouraged by that. Uh, so, you know, there was uh, exercise in your book where you asked people um, what the uh, what the three characteristics would a commercial about you highlight. What mm-hmm. are the three characteristics of a commercial that would highlight about you?
1: Um, that's a great question. You know, I always ask other people these questions. I don't often answer them for myself. Uh, So I think a really good commercial has to have something that makes you laugh, something that makes you think and something that maybe moves you to tears, right? There's a great Jim Valvano speech, Jimmy V. And that those are his three primary, primary ingredients of an amazing day, something that makes you know, a day that makes you laugh, makes you cry and makes you think. So uh, for me, I would I would try to have a commercial that really highlights those components, like maybe that funny story of my grandma and grandpa, of my grandma and grandpa, and then you know maybe a story about uh, something that can move you to tears. You know uh, how I created something from my grandfather's passing, and then something that gets you to think. You know, uh, I don't know something else about uh, what you can do in your life in order to honor somebody that you love. Yeah right so yeah. there's those three components
0: you No, know, that's awesome I appreciate you sharing that with us and yeah. you know being being a sport here uh you know where do you think you're gonna be at in 10 or 20 years I know most people think a year ahead or three uh-huh. or five years ahead but you know what direction are you going and where do you think you know if you were to sit down and say okay in 10 or 20 years this is where I think I would be well where is that what would you be doing
1: yeah, so I, I do think about this a lot. I think very long-term. I try to be patient, I, but I try to work towards something. So my life's mission, actually, is to put a home a pillow underneath every homeless person's head in America. And uh, I haven't done anything really in regard to it now, aside from, you know, share stories and, and volunteer in homeless shelters a little bit. But uh, 10, 20 years from now, I really see myself embarking on this journey, you know, creating maybe like a nonprofit or a startup company that helps with this, this cause, right? Because I'm trying to play an infinite game, a game that never ends. So it's basically set almost an unachievable goal. And I think, you know, pillows underneath homeless people's heads could be achievable, but that's a lot of pillows. So I need to figure out how to do that. And I think as I do that, I'll be able to make an impact on people's lives uh even if it just sounds like it is one pillow i think that pillow could be the spark plug the the chain reaction starter for such long-lasting change in these people's lives
0: well i mean that's just amazing man you just keep giving back so um it's it's pretty powerful stuff uh Hmm. so so with that being said how do you define true success
1: yeah so True success to me is living a life according to bridging the gap between who you currently are versus who you know that you could become. So, so long as you're making decisions in your everyday life that really uh, is consist that are consistent with guiding yourself in this direction. I think you are experiencing true success, right? You're making decisions that are aligned with who you know you could be at all times, enjoying that process, and just basically, uh, you know, having fun while you do it.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I really like that. It's, it's you know, like you said, it's understanding who you are and who you become and becoming that person. So that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's phenomenal. What, so there's this, there's this quote or this idea that if you cast a stone into the water, you'll create this ripple effect. And Mm -hmm. so if we were to do that in our life, what would that stone be that you're going to cast, that's going to create this ripple effect that just, whether it be resonates with your family, um, your community, or even future generations, what is it that that stone becomes?
1: I think for me, it's getting people to use their imaginativitation to live the life of their dreams, right? So what that means is getting people to imagine, interpret, create, and implement. So the stone that I would throw is is fourfold. It has these four pillars in it. I would want it to be a stone that allows people to imagine a life where they are truly fulfilled and and content and and happy with everything going on and then I want them to interpret why that's how they want to live and then I would like for them to create a plan as to how to get there use their creativity and then I would like for them to implement that plan so this stone would be rooted in imaginativitation and, and those four key pillars
0: Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And that was um, imagination, interpret, create, and implement.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's,
0: that's awesome. That's very awesome. Uh, So take us home. So what, so tell us anything that you haven't told us already that you would like to say with the remaining time that we have and then where can we find you?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's too much more to say. Um, we could chat forever because <laughs> there, there. So there is a lot to say, but but we could really chat yeah. forever about a lot of different key concepts, you know, in in the positive psychology space. But um, I think the last thing that I would say is that my definition of personal development is that it is a never-ending process of this ripple effect I mentioned. Imagining who you want to be interpreting why that's why that's the interpreting why that's the person you want to become creating a plan to get there and then implementing that plan and what's most important in that definition is that it's never ending right you're constantly working on your personal development your your understanding of the person you want to be can change at all times so you're constantly reimagining who this person could be reinterpreting recreating and then re-implementing right um so just don't stop right don't have any complacency continue focusing on your growth and uh you know have some fun with it that's what's most important to me is I like to have fun with everything that I'm doing that's why I share stories as opposed to just you know prescriptive how-to advice so uh yeah I would say that
0: yeah. And where can we find you, Jordan? How can we, how can we get your books? You know, where can we, you have a, like a landing page or a home base that we can go to this so we can keep up with you social media.
1: Yeah. So uh, three different things. One is if you really want to get in touch, LinkedIn is the place to go. It's just Jordan gross on LinkedIn. And I answer all my messages there. Um, two would be journey to cloud And you can get free chapters on there, actually, of uh, my book, The Journey to Cloud Nine. And then the third thing would be on Amazon, The Journey to Cloud Nine by Jordan Gross on Amazon.
0: I'll add that all those are great books. I read them um, over the course of a weekend. And uh, I think you get a lot of value out of those. So I highly recommend those. And uh, actually, I have to go on and add some reviews. So um, thank you, Jordan, for being on the show and being a guest and sharing your life with us and, you know, continuing to
1: add value. So thank you very much. Thank you, Kirby. I really appreciate it. And uh, be safe and, and healthy and happy. All right. All right.